Greetings, Asbury community. I hope that everyone is well. I know that this is a unique time for all of us, and we find ourselves in these moments of social isolation, but please know that you are in my heart and in my mind and in my prayers every day. And uh, I have the honor of bringing a message to you this morning for our chapel. This will be less of a pulpit message and perhaps more of a devotional and one that I hope brings encouragement to your heart. Two passages of scripture that I wanted to read this morning. The first is John 10, 27. And this is Christ saying, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 27. The second is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Even as I have been fully known. I want to open with a story. Many years ago, we had an office in our basement, and I was in grad school at the time, and I had to wake up freakishly early to do some studying. But I wrote a poem down and I put it right on the mantle of my desk so that every morning when I sat down at that desk, I'd be confronted with this poem and would read it sometimes several times that day. The poem was Invictus by William Ernest Henley. It's probably something that you've heard before and it goes like this. Out of the night that covers me, black as a pit from pole to pole, I think whatever gods may be, for my inconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Through the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Again, probably a poem that you have heard before. It's, it's inspiring. It's rich language. It's melodic, masculine. But I did not put the poem up on my desk to read every morning for those reasons. I put it up because the poem itself is foolishness. What do I mean by that? I say this for two reasons. The, the poem seems to speak to this rugged individualism, uh, an autonomous being that's in control and in charge of himself. Uh, but first and foremost, we are not in control. And actually, I think that the COVID-19 threat what we see with this pandemic, both in the United States and throughout the world, are a reflection that we are not in control or as in control as we would like to be. My father's always made this statement that we are always one step away from tragedy, a tragedy that we can't control. But more to the point, this poem suggests that we are atomized individuals, that we are independent and we are disconnected from one another. And I think that's false as well. And actually, that's what I want to focus on in this devotion today. 
So let me encourage you as it relates to this point. One of my favorite statements by John Wesley relates to this, this anthropology of what it means to be a human. He says, with an honest openness of mind, let us always remember the kindred between man and man and cultivate that happy instinct whereby in the original constitution of our nature, God has strongly bound us one to another. What is Wesley saying? He's saying we are relationally constituted, that we are made this way. We are created for interdependence with one another. And this means that life, and it means that the abundant life, the whole life, cannot be realized through our own independence. It cannot be realized as masters of our fate, captains of our own soul. It cannot be realized through our own autonomy. Let me put it this way. You and I, we were made to be known. As our verses said earlier, we were made to be known. I shared a story recently of a very difficult situation. My best friend from high school and one of our other best friends, uh, the three of us, we were very close in high school. And our other best friend, uh, actually experienced a significant tragedy in his life. His ex-wife was murdered in Louisville, Kentucky. And so very tragic, mysterious circumstances, very strange. And so we went to the funeral together and the three of us, this was the first time we had been together in almost two decades. It had been a really, really long time. Uh, the funeral, funeral was very powerful. We got to be together, we got to talk, we prayed, we cried. And as I was leaving with uh, my, my uh, close friend, we were talking about how the three of us had not been together in so long, and yet what a powerful, visceral experience. And my friend, I'll never forget this in the car, just said, he knows me. And that was it, he knows me. He didn't need to say anything else. In other words, there was something very powerful about being known. My wife actually went to a funeral uh, this last fall. Again, tragic circumstances of a coach that she used to have. And she saw people that she has not seen in years and decades. And yet, she said the same thing. They know me. They knew me at the most formative time of my life. They have a claim upon my life. They have an understanding of my life. We have shared memories and experiences together. They know me. This is very powerful, and if we think of the exact opposite of this, it's to not be known. In fact, uh, one theologian writes about in the, the Roman government, for the slaves that they had, they would call them non-habens personam. Uh, in other words, it was a way of saying they have no persona, they have no face. But a more literal translation of the Latin is to say they are a no person. Not that they're a person, but that they are no person. Viktor Frankl, in his book, Man's Search for Meeting, tells this really powerful story while he was in a concentration camp during World War II. And he was so weak, he hadn't eaten, and he fell on the ground while they were supposed to be in line in a cadence. And a soldier walked up and just grunted and kicked him in the ribs. And Frankl said that was one of the most painful moments I can remember in the concentration camp, not because of the pain of being kicked in the ribs, 
not the pain and the ache in my belly of not having any food, but that someone would not even recognize my personhood and treat me as less than a dog, a no person. So we see this extreme of not even recognizing the humanity in someone else, which might be the greatest affront to another person's dignity and humanity, to see them as a no person, all the way to being known, having a claim on our life, being understood by each other. And Asbury, I want to tell you today, and I want you to find encouragement in this, that this is the beauty and this is the blessing of our covenantal community. We are known. We're known by each other. We have claims in one another's lives. And moreover, we are known by God. We are known by our Creator. In fact, we could say that God is the one who makes these very sensibilities, these very experiences possible. We know others because we are known. And we can love others because God first loved us. And we seek out others because we are the ones who have been sought. And we know who we are. We have an identity because we know whose we are. We know who we are in God. We know that we belong to Him. We know that God knows our lives. As we said in John 13, 12, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. So today, in your isolation, whatever that may look like, I want you to remember you are known. You are known by us. You are prayed for. One of the things I love sharing about Asbury to prospective families who are looking at the school is that there are men and women at this school who wake up thinking about Asbury students and go to sleep thinking about those same Asbury students. You are known. I want you to lean into that idea. And moreover, lean into the idea that you are known by Christ. Not only does God know us, God loves us. And God has a plan for our lives. We're not masters of our fate. <laughs> We're not captains of our soul. We are relationally constituted beings who find meaning and find fulfillment and find identity and find significance and find unity in each other and in our Creator. I hope that you are encouraged by this truth today. Let's pray together. Jesus, what a blessing it is to be your sheep and an even greater blessing to hear you say, I know you. Father, help us to remember today that we are known by you and we are known by each other. We're not masters of our fate. We're not captains of our soul. We're not autonomous beings. And we're certainly not no persons. We are people. And we are made in your image. And that is our irreducible essence, our non-transferable quality. And Father, may there be great comfort in that truth today, to be known by you, to be known in each other. And during this time of isolation, help us, Lord, to feel and to sense and to take great strength and comfort in that identity, that unity, unity in each other, unity in you. Help us to have an acute sense of your presence and your love and the love of others, being known by others, being known in you this day. Father, we thank you. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Asbury community, 
I hope to see your faces soon, but in the interim, know that you are known, know that you are loved by myself, by our staff, by our faculty, by your friends, by your loved ones, and by our Creator. I miss and love you all.